Hello, and welcome to Birth of Family Church Podcast. We trust that you'll find an encouraging word to strengthen your walk with the Lord. And if you're visiting the area, or if you're looking for a good church home, come check us out at birthedfamilychurch.org. There you can find our location and service times. Thanks again for tuning in. God bless. Sunday night. This is Healing School. Woohoo! Good evening, everybody. It's good to see you out here tonight on a Sunday night. I guess this will be the last Sunday of August. It's good to have you aboard. Want to say hello to those on the live stream. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glad you're watching. I know you're watching from all over the world. It's good to have you with us. Let's all get our Bibles out and let's get ready to go. We're going to head in a little bit of a different a direction tonight I believe the Lord is leading us and so we're going to follow him as always best right hallelujah well let's go ahead and believe God now remember what are we looking for every time we open his book what we're looking for number one is determining what the will of God is and the will of God is obviously the Word of God also Jesus is the will of God in action so you see in his earthly ministry that it was the will of God to heal. In fact, he never turned anybody away that came for healing, and he ministered thereof. Also, we're looking for things that we can put into action. You see, we'll, we'll get into this uh, tonight. Faith is an act, meaning that you can see whether a person is in faith or out of faith. W what do I mean? Well, when you believe the word of God, it'll prompt us to start doing things that activate that word in our life. And so that'll have to do with what you believe. That'll have, some, have to do with what you say. It'll have to do with your emotions. I mean, you can't believe that you're healed and be sad. And so you understand that faith is an act. So we're looking for the will of God. We're, we're looking for a word from God. And then we're looking in how to implement what we're hearing. It's just like when you heard about Jesus and that one day all of a sudden you saw him as he was in truth and reality. Well, that belief in him as your savior or as the savior of the world prompted you to receive him. You can't just believe in Jesus and not act on that belief. And so what you did is you acted on your faith and that belief in him and you got saved. The same is true about healing for that matter. That's true about any miracle we receive from the Lord. Let's go ahead and believe God. Father, thank you for tonight. <laughs> We're excited because we know you're here. And we know that you will speak to us from the word of God. And so we choose to be attentive. We're not going to allow uh, anything to distract us, to, to pull us off, to, to daydream about something else. No, we're going to hear from you tonight. And so we're attentive to every word. Show us ways, Lord, that we can apply what we're hearing, that we would be a doer thereof. Because your blessing just doesn't come to the churchgoer. Your blessings don't just come to those that read their Bible. Your, your blessings don't come to those that just, you know, are always around listening and looking for you. No, your blessings only come to the doer of the word. And so we're looking for that which we can do, that we can do to apply 
your will in our life. We thank you for it now in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you're looking for a title to this direction we're going into, that would be the faith that creates miracles. The faith that creates miracles. And so we'll start this journey together tonight. We're going to go over to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew 14. And let's go on down to the 25th verse. This is a very familiar testimony. So don't let your mind go off somewhere else thinking, well, I know what this says. Hallelujah. We can extract more revelation from it each time we read it, even if we read it 1,000 times. Matthew 14, 25. So here it is in the night, actually in the fourth watch of the night. And Jesus went to them walking on the sea, walking on the water. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled. I, I think we could also imply that they were afraid. And they said, it's a ghost, or it's a spirit, it's Casper, it's this, it's that. <laughs> Everything, but that's Jesus. And, and here they cried out for fear. Now look at verse 27. Look what Jesus' response is immediately. He spoke to them, saying, be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. Now here comes Peter in verse 28, and he answered Jesus, Lord, if it is you. So even after Jesus spoke, even though Jesus instructed them what to do, Peter is still not convinced that it's Jesus. See, he's using the badge of unbelief in what he says. He says, Lord, if it is you. You know, any time that we use that word if in a statement, we're really revealing that we're not sure of what we are saying. So he says, just in case it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he's looking for what? He's looking for the power to get him to Jesus. He's looking for a command. He's, he's looking for a word of power that will empower him to do the impossible. Isn't that what we're believing for when we're believing a miracle? If I need a miracle, I need a word from the Lord to create the miracle. How many of you know that Bruce can't do miracles? Too many heads went this way. <laughs> but it's true, right? We do have limitations. I said we do have limitations. We're solely dependent on the Lord for all that he's able to do for us. So I want you to see yourself in this situation. You, you need to hear from heaven. You have a desire. You have a need. You have a want. And you know you can't get there without him. And so you're looking for a word. A word in itself that contains the power to create a miracle in your behalf. Now, Lord, if it is you, command me. Give me a command of power. Give me the word that will create a miracle 
so that I can come to you on the water. Now understand here in verse 29, Jesus could have said anything in that response. And that's why when we come to the Lord in such a way, we've got to be ready for what he's, how he's going to answer us. He, Jesus could have said, no, you just, you just wait there. I'll be there in just a moment. Couldn't he have? Now remember, everything that Jesus did was the will of God. So he had to check within himself if God would give him that word to empower him to walk on the water or not. You know, many times in this camp in which we find ourselves, this word of faith camp, we, we think that God's going to be on board for everything that we're desiring and wanting. Come on. And there are some times that that's not the case. So here he's waiting to see if he gets this word of power. And Jesus said, come. And so that word, come, spoken by Jesus in response to the request that Peter asked of him. In that one word, those four letters in the English language that encompasses that one word was all the power that Peter needed to walk on water which was naturally and physically impossible. Wouldn't you say that walking on the water is a miracle? I mean, when was the last time you and I walked on water? <laughs> I think I'm safe to say that we've never walked on water. Well, why not? Peter did. Well, Peter had the word of power. We never have been given the word of power. And see, this is what I'm talking about. It's not always going to be the will of God for us to supersede the laws of nature when there's no danger involved. I've heard testimonies of people walking on water and there was the necessity for them to walk on water. It wasn't just a walk on water to say, hey, I walked on water. Amen? And so, understand that he got a word from God that superseded the laws of nature to give him a miracle of walking on the water to Jesus. Now look here. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, so I'm assuming it wasn't like we're in a little rowboat and you just step over. No, he had to climb up and climb down. It says that Peter did what? Walked on the water. He did what? He walked on the water. Let's think of it this way. He was walking on the word come. Every step he took, he was walking on the word of God. That word of power acted upon. 
Can't emphasize that enough. Faith is an act. If Peter had just stayed in the boat and said, wow, I got a word of power. Whoo, Jesus spoke to me specifically and said, I can walk on the water. You know, he never would have walked on the water. What did Peter have to do? He had to act on that word of power. And he climbed out of the boat, and guess what? He's walking on the water. And he's coming unto Jesus. But we see that he began to take his focus off that word of power. The Bible says that he began to, to, to look at the waves and he would look at the wind or he was looking at what the, the wind was creating. And the Bible says that he became fearful and began to sink. So understand that Peter never re received the fulfillment or the accomplishment of that word of power that he had. Because he says, I want to Walk all the way to Jesus. I want to come unto you. And apparently he began to sink halfway across on his way. It goes on to say in the 31st verse, And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said unto him. Now he's going to tell us the reason why this word of power stopped working. Hello? He said, you of little faith, why did you doubt? So understand that Peter began in faith. He believed that word. He trusted that word. He stepped out onto the water because of that word, and he began to walk to Jesus. But on his way, he took his eyes off of Jesus. He took his eyes off of the word come. And he began to look at the circumstances. He began to look at the waves. He began to look at the wind. He began to look at the circumstances. He probably got to the place, what am I doing out here? I can't walk on water. And he began to doubt. He abandoned what he believed in terms of that word working for him, and then he took his eyes off of it and began to doubt and began to sink. Now understand this, that each time that we step out on a word of power and we, we embrace it and we begin to act on that word, we are walking on the water to receiving the fulfillment of our miracle. Now, it's a lot easier to start out in faith than it is to stay in faith. See, many times we think miracles happen instantaneous. After all, it's a miracle. But that's not the case in Scripture. Many times miracles occur through what we call a process. Amen. Amen. We have testimony after testimony, and we'll, we'll get into that later on. That's not, our, that's not our focus tonight, but understand that miracles are a process. Yeah, occasionally 
snap and it happens. But that's not the norm for us as believers. And if you've been anywhere for very long, you know that. And so it's a lot easier to begin in faith. It's a lot easier to start your walk of faith. But you've got to stay the course. Because just like Peter, there's going to be a challenge to stay in that position of believing you have what the Lord said you have. And the, and the enemy will make sure you see things that contradict what you believe. And even send people to you that will discourage you. Even though they don't realize that's what they're doing. They think they're just being a realist. I'm just trying to keep it real, man. But really, they're just going by what they see. And they don't really know what you see in your heart in that you have your miracle. So now, let's look at this comment that Jesus made. He says, the reason that you began to sink is because you had little faith. Little faith. And that little faith caused you to doubt. It's really not that way. Jesus wasn't talking about how much faith Peter had. Jesus wasn't talking about his quantity of faith. And this is important for you and I to embrace this. We'll see here in just a moment that you and I have the God kind of faith. You and I have the same faith that Jesus has. You and I have the same faith that Moses has. You and I have the same faith as Billy Graham. Hallelujah. You have the same faith as the Apostle Paul. Because it wasn't the Apostle Paul's faith, it was God's faith that he gave Paul. And the faith that you have is not your faith. It's the faith that God gave you. It's the God kind of faith. Just like the love that you have is not yours, it's the God kind of love. It's God's love he gave you. Faith the same way. So Peter stepped out on that word come with the God kind of faith. He acted on that word of power and began walking on the water. But because he determined, the faith that we have, either exceedingly great faith, weak faith, Little faith, we the, we're the ones who decide the adjective attached to our faith. So Peter, according to Jesus, had little faith. And that little is a denotion of how long he stayed in faith. That little is talking about time. Right? And so what happened? Why was the time shortened? Why, why was his faith short-circuited? Because he's heading to receiving the fullness of his miracle. Why was it cut short? Well, he short-circuited by doubting. He short-circuited by doing the opposite of faith, which is fear. And he began to sink. 
Amen? So little is a denotion of time. It means that he was in the position of faith, the, God, the fullness of God's faith, for just a short amount of time. So you and I, we choose to learn from Peter. Because our faith has an enemy. And when we learn the enemies to faith, we can also learn how to resist these enemies of faith. Peter had the option to say, I refuse to be moved by these waves. I refuse to be moved by this rain and this wind and this storm. He said, come, I'm coming. And I will walk on the water as he told me I would and could have kept on pressing through and stayed in that position of faith until he was hand in hand with Jesus without sinking. Amen? Let's go on over to 2 Corinthians 4.13. Now, we have two major focal points in this study. Obviously, we're not going to get to them tonight. But I just want you to make a note of this. We're, we want to grow and understand how we can allow our faith the full duration that it needs in the way of time to receive our miracle. So there's two main points that we want to make sure that we understand how to do these things. Number one, we need to learn how to release our faith. You and I need to learn how to release our faith. That means you activate the power in the Word of God in your behalf. God's word has to be activated. It's not open to whosoever in terms of it randomly happening in a person's life. An individual activates it. Hallelujah. Or else everybody would be saved right now without doing anything. You had to activate that miracle of the new birth. You released your faith. And number two, we're going to learn how to stay in faith. More miracles are aborted by us than we, that, than we imagine or realize. If there's ever a faith failure, it's either going to be, number one, we didn't get to that place of activating the power through believing what God said, or number two, once we activated that faith and acted on that word that he gave us, we didn't stay in faith. Those two things are our enemies to faith. Now here in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, how many of you like the Word of God? Amen. Come on. <laughs> I, I love the Word of God. And here in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, look here in verse 13. Now this is a verse of scripture that you need to have highlighted in your hard copy or use that highlighter in your app and then tie it to other verses of scripture so you begin connecting dots in the word of God. It says, we having. Reading from the King James. We having. 
So this is telling us of that which we possess. It's not something that we're striving for. It's not something we're trying to develop, cause it to grow. No, it says that we have. What? What, what, what do I have, Lord? We have the same spirit of faith. Remember I said just, just a moment ago you have the same faith as Jesus? Now some will, will think of that and go, Who, what are you talking about? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you what the Bible says. God only has one kind of faith. It's called the God kind of faith. And you have that spirit of faith. You have that God kind of faith. Otherwise, you wouldn't be saved. That faith to be saved that you acted upon, that word you received to call upon the name of the Lord, and you acted upon it, and you cried out to Jesus and said, come into my life, come into my heart, be my Lord, be my Savior. That faith that you released and you acted upon raised a dead spirit into that one that is recreated and made brand new. The faith that you have by God, through God, his faith that you acted upon raised you from the dead. I'll never forget when I got that revelation, I was running a a stone cutter up at the the birthed pink stone pit. It must have been the scripture for the day. I was reading in my devotional, the Kenneth E. Hagan faith food. And it must have been that scripture talking about how we were raised from the dead when we received Jesus. And, and all of a sudden, I, I, got, I stepped away from the machine, ran around the other side, and I, and I told the guy on the other side that was stacking the stone, I said, my faith has already raised the dead. And he's looking at me like a cow at a new gate, you know. Wah, 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 wah. What are you talking about? You've already received the greatest miracle that can be received on earth with the faith that God gave you. Woo! Somebody should be running right now. Hallelujah. Somebody should be shouting right now. See, we're always enamored and focused on what we think we don't have instead of being excited about what we do have. You and I have the God kind of faith. In fact, it says in Romans 12, 3, that you receive the measure, the measure of the God kind of faith. doesn't say a measure, meaning that each one got a different measure. You got the measure. Hallelujah. Now check this out. It says that we have the same spirit of faith. Understand that faith is a spiritual force. It's not an emotional force. It's not a mental force. It's spiritual. Because God is a spirit. And truth be told, you and I are eternal spirit beings. Hallelujah. According as it is written, now he's pulling a verse out of the Old Testament. I believed. And remember, faith has to be acted upon. Faith has to be released. 
to get it to work for you and I. Miracles are created. They don't just pop up and say, da-da, another miracle. No, they're created. Faith is God's creative power. Your faith created salvation in your heart. Your faith create, recreated your spirit. According as it is written, I believed. That's the first step. But then faith has to be released of what you believe. Therefore, I have what? Spoken. Many times the speaking of that word of power releases the miracle working power. In the case of Peter, he had that word come, so he didn't speak it out to release it. He acted on it to release it. See that? Many times when we minister to the sick, according to the head of the church, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover, we endeavor to get them to begin acting on what they just received. Move that part of your body where there was pain. Do this, do that. And you see Jesus do it all through his earthly ministry. Stand up and walk. Go to the priest and tell him, Give them, give them the offering for your miracle. And it says, as they went, they were healed. What if they didn't went? What if they didn't go? <clears throat> you think they'd be healed? No. Because they didn't honor the word of power. See what I'm saying? <clears throat> Believing comes first. Acting on that belief comes on its heels. That's what releases the power, and then you keep it released until the miracle is consummated. How? Hallelujah. <clears throat> Let's just take a brief moment here to have a word from our sponsor, Hall's Lozengers. I personally use these during times of teaching and preaching the word. It helps lubricate. So get Hall's Lozengers. All right, let's get back to the regularly scheduled program. <coughs> Verse 13, look at this. I want you to embrace this. We have. Faith isn't something you get. <coughs> Faith is something that you have. Faith isn't something you get. Faith is what you and I have. We having, what? The same spirit of faith. According as it is written. Quoting the Old Testament now. Bringing this truth into this new relationship with God. I believed. Therefore, I was prompted to act on that belief and spoke. We also believe and therefore speak. Hallelujah. Now, let's go on over to Luke chapter 5. Now, once you begin to see this, th these principles, when you begin to see the difference between a dormant faith and an active faith, when you start seeing in scriptures with these examples that God <clears throat> gave us to help us perfect receiving the miracles that he intended us to have through faith. When you begin to connect the dots, you see why some received and others 
did not receive. Here we go. You, you got your, my mom used to say, you got your thinking cap on. Look here in Luke 5. Luke chapter 5, verse 17. This, you should be able to see it here. You're going to see the, the contrast between a dormant faith and an active faith. Remember, we the ones who choose whether our faith is active or dormant. So it came to pass on a certain day. And as Jesus was teaching, that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law. So these are Jewish believers, so to speak. When I say believer, I'm not talking Christian. They're in the Jewish faith. They're well taught concerning scripture. But many of them had, how do, how do I say it? They, they've, they've been taught the traditions of men instead of the word of God. And they came out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. So this is a pretty prominent meeting here. I'm assuming that many of these religious leaders had really good seats. Right? They probably wore their best robe that day. I'm sure they sat up straight and looked very dignified. And in their midst, it says this, the power, everybody say the power. That's creative power. That's miracle working power. The same power that empowered Jesus to walk on the water. The same power that raised you from the dead. The power of the Lord was what? Present. To do what? To do what? To heal them. So obviously there were those in that crowd that needed physical healing for their body. And they were in its presence. The very presence of power to turn their situation around. To create a miracle in their body. How do you know that if the power of the Lord is in the midst, that it's the will of God to heal? Why else would that power be in their midst? Still with me? And the power of the Lord was present to what? Heal them. I've got a question. What was present in that meeting? The power of the Lord. Let me ask you another question. What was that power willing to do in, the, in their midst? To heal. Hallelujah. Isn't that a meeting you'd like to be at? Huh? I said, isn't that a meeting you'd like to be at? Question. In that verse, and in that moment that we just read in verse 17... Was anyone being healed?
Is, I'm not trying to trick you. No, we don't have any record. We don't have any example in that moment in verse 17 that when that power was there, that in that moment anyone, anyone was being healed. Now, wait a second. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So, the word of God is saying the power of God was in the midst of this congregation. That power was the will of God there to heal them. But nobody's getting healed. Now, you see, that just... That just gets our mind, our religious mind, to go, huh? Because we're always thinking that God can do whatever he wants to do, whenever he wants to do it, to whoever whom he wants to do it. That couldn't be the furthest thing from the truth. That's just, that's just the traditions of men. That's just putting everything on God, and we just go through life, just, you know, allowing his blessings to come when they come and not have them when they don't come. That's ridiculous. Why would he give us the measure of faith if it was up to him to give us whatever he wanted us to have, whenever we want, he wanted us to have it? That's just ignorance gone to seed. That's just a religious mind. Why was not anyone in that moment benefiting from that power. Well, I don't know if you can see it or not. Here, I'll move everything out of the way for you. Now I'm in your way. Right up here in the floor of the platform are two electrical sockets. And if I would stick my tongue, I mean, if I would stick a, a plug-in into this electrical socket, it would tap into the power that's already there. Do you, you believe me? So here's power. I said, here is a source of power, and it's in our midst. Why is not one of us benefiting from this power? Because we have to plug into it. Does that make sense? And that's a picture of what was going on in that meeting. Now, I, you know, I could be all upset that we're not benefiting from this power. And I could call REA. That's the people who provide electrical power for this building. And I could call REA, and I could say, we don't have any power here. Why'd you shut the power off? And they'll start questioning. Well, is your electrical panel or all the breakers okay? Yeah. Well, what, what source are you trying to, to, to power? Well, I, I need to, to power this light. Well, do you have the light plugged in? Well, no, but you said that you had power here to light my lamps, light my lights. By then, she's hung up, 
and I'm just standing there going, why don't I have power, and why don't I have my light lightning, light lightning lit? Amen? And that's what we do a lot of times with the Lord. How come you didn't do this? How come you didn't do that? You said here that you would do it. You would do this. You would do that. He might ask us, have you plugged into the power? The next question is, how do I plug in to the power? How do I get that light lit? We'll just keep reading. Verse 18. And behold, men brought in a bed or a, uh, a stretcher, maybe we could say. They brought a man which was taken with a palsy. So th there's parts of his body that don't work. He's a cripple. And they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before Jesus. So what are they doing? They believe that the power of God is present to heal. Right? And so they've decided that they're going to bring this man before Jesus. And in verse 19 it says that they could not find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude. So this is a pretty popular event here. It's sold out. There's no seats ready or available. In fact, there's no way to get to Jesus. Even the aisleway towards him is filled. I mean, the whole place is full of folks. And they can't walk in with this guy. And there's probably not even enough room for them to get out of the way for them to come in. There are a bunch of sardines out there. So they had a plan. They decided to go up on the roof. They went on top of the house. And then they had to move tiles out of the way, roof, roofing tiles, to find a way to drop him down. Now, they probably had to... They didn't know where Jesus was when they were on the roof. They probably found an approximate place, and they moved some tiles and go, oh, this isn't it, so let's move a little bit to the right. It probably took them several times to decide where we're going to tear up the roof at. They start tearing the roof up and they let him down through the tiling. Well, how are they doing that? Well, they may have four ropes attached to each corner of the, of the stretcher. And each one is, 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 is holding a part of the rope. And I guess they had to make it a, a concerted effort unless they had this guy seat-belted into the stretcher. <laughs> and they're just dropping this guy down on a rope. Do you think these five guys, because another version says it was the man on the stretcher and four friends. Do you think that they thought that this man was going to be healed? Absolutely. I wouldn't let anybody drop me through a roof on a stretcher unless I thought I'd be a recipient of healing. Don't you think the thought came to this guy on the stretcher? Well, man, if I fall off of this, I could break a bone. I'll be worse off than I ever was. You don't think that thought came? There's always going to be thoughts that are going to come to try and what? Short circuit your faith. 
The devil always wants you to look at the waves. He wants you to look at the wind. He wants you to look at the waves. That's what he does. That's what he does for a living. Trying to bring doubt. Trying to bring fear. But these guys weren't having any of that. They let them, they let him down through the tiling with his couch into the midst before Jesus. Now something very remarkable just happens in verse 20. And when Jesus saw their faith. What? Jesus did what? He saw their faith. Well, no, hang, oh, hang on, time out. I thought we found out over there in 2 Corinthians that faith was spiritual. That faith is of the heart. Are, 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 is the Bible telling us that Jesus saw in their heart, he saw in that realm of the spirit, and he saw their faith? No. He saw them acting on their faith. Remember, faith is active. Faith is an act. Faith is performing what you believe, either through words or with your behavior. Well, with their behavior, they're showing everybody in that house that they believe that this man's going to be healed. I'm not dropping this guy down here for nothing. And I'm certainly not going to crank him back up out of there. Once he's down there, he's down there and he's going to get healed. <laughs> I ain't carrying this guy back out of this place. Jesus will heal him. And all they're doing is what? Plugging into the power. Now, listen to me. If Jesus saw their faith, why wasn't he healed as he was being dropped down? If they had faith for him to be healed and Jesus saw it, why wasn't he healed when he was being dropped down? You have to have a word of power. You have to have a word of power to act upon. They were positioning themselves before Jesus to have him say, come, like he said to Peter. A word that will create the miracle. A word you can believe on and act on it. Got it? Look at this. <clears throat> so Jesus saw their faith. Let me go on over there. And then we'll finish up. I'm in Luke 5. And when Jesus saw their faith he said unto him man your sins are forgiven you now understand 
that you are as forgiven as you are healed. At the same time that Jesus forgave us and made provision for us to receive a resurrected spirit, to be free from that dead spirit separated from God, he also provided healing for the physical body. The same price that Jesus bought, it's called the double cure. The same price he paid to save our soul, he's healed our body. And many times in the Gospels, you'll see these two begin to occur hand in hand at the same time. Now you gotta, you gotta understand that in that day, and people still believe this today, that the Jews believed that sickness took place because a person sinned. Remember that, that child, or he wasn't a child, but he was a full-grown man, but it says that he was born crippled. His own disciples asked him, did he, did he become crippled because his parents sinned or because he sinned? And so when Jesus forgave this man his sins, the religious leaders had a fit. How can you, carpenter boy, forgive someone of their sins? Only God can do that. You seeing that? The religious leaders go off. He, he perceived in verse 22. Why reason in your hearts? Verse 23. Whether it's easier to say thy sins be forgiven thee or to say rise up and walk. So Jesus is showing us right here, it's just as easy for him to forgive as it is for him to heal. How hard was it for you to be forgiven? Right? Why is it that easy to be forgiven? Because you've heard that all your life from the Word of God. That's what most Christian churches emphasize. You've hear, heard it all your life. But how many times growing up did you hear that Jesus was just as willing to heal you as he was to forgive you? I never heard it one time until I came into this camp of the word of faith. All right, check this out. So that you may know that the Son of Man hath power upon earth to forgive sins, he said unto the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, well, here's this word of power. What's that word of power? Arise. There's that word come. There's that word go to the priests and offer a sacrifice for your healing. Something that will activate their faith to create that word of power in their life. Now look at this. What did he tell this man to do? He told him to arise, to take up his couch, and go to his house. Now listen to me. When Jesus spoke this word, this man was still crippled on this stretcher. 
he could have looked up at Jesus and say, I can't walk. What, what, what do you mean? Get up. Don't you know how long I've been crippled? He could begin talking about his condition. He could been talking about what he can't do. He could be talking about this and that. He had a choice whether to get out of the boat and walk on the water or just stay there and watch Jesus out there. This man had a choice to start acting on what he believed. An act of faith. Jesus gave him that word, arise. Now it was up to the man on the couch to activate it, plug into the power by acting on believing that when he did, he would walk. Hallelujah. Are you seeing it? This is helping me tonight. And immediately he rose up. It doesn't say immediately he was healed. It says immediately he did something. He acted on what he believed. He rose up. That's when the power went boom. And he took up that thereon he had laid and departed to his own house, glorifying God. You see that? See, a lot of people are waiting around for God to heal them. Well, first, they're going to have to get a word of power. How do I get that? Well, we'll get into that maybe next time. But see, that's where it begins. You've got to have something that you can believe in. Because faith is brought to bear when you believe what God says. But then you've got to have a point where you release that power, you plug into the power, you activate the power to allow it to create the miracle. Amen? Let's look at a couple more scriptures and we'll go bye-bye. I said earlier that faith can be either active or dormant. Now remember, we already have the God kind of faith. And it can be in our heart dormant or you can activate it. How do I activate it? Going over to James chapter 2. James chapter 2 verse 17. We're just about there, guys. Just hang in with me a couple more minutes. Thank you for your patience. Even so, faith, this is from the King James, James 2, 17. Even so, faith, if it has not works, another translation says, if it doesn't have corresponding action, it is dead because it's alone. You see, an act of faith is activated by responding and begin doing what we believe. This man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him, and when he heard arise, he got up, even though he couldn't. And when he did what he couldn't, that's when God's power was released 
and quickened and made alive his physical body, and he walked. Listen to this. Faith needs expression in order to create. Faith needs expression in order to create. All you have to do is remember how you were saved. You could have believed for the rest of your life, if I call upon the name of the Lord, I'll be saved. And it would have done you no personal good, what you believed. You had to actually call upon him by faith. Then you were saved. Amen? Look at this. This is from the Amplified, James 2.17. So too faith, if it does not have works to back it up, it is itself dead, inoperative, and ineffective. And that's why no one else other than these four men received a miracle because no one else had an act of faith to the power that was in their very midst. They just sat around with their jaw hanging down. Now, I'm reading from a, a translation. It's really a paraphrase. It's called the Phillips New Testament. And I'll read two verses, James 2, 16 and 17. And the title of these two verses is The Relationship Between Faith and Action. You ready? Can't start unless you're ready. You ready? Here we go. Now, what use is it, my brothers, if a man does say he has faith, if his actions do not correspond with it? Could that sort of faith save anyone's soul? If a fellow man or woman has no clothes to wear and nothing to eat, and one of you say, good luck to you, I hope you keep warm and find enough to eat, and yet you give them nothing to meet their physical needs, what on earth is the good of that? Yet that is exactly what a bare faith without corresponding life is like. Useless and dead. Hallelujah. So faith must be activated to create its completed work. That's the same in every area of redemption that Jesus has provided for us. Faith is the power to activate what he has redeemed us into. He freed us from the curse, but then he gave us the blessing. But the blessing doesn't come to us automatically. We have to activate the blessing by faith. Not only by believing, but also having corresponding action to what we believe to create that redemptive reality in our life. And that includes the healing of our bodies. Father, thank you so much for helping us to see truths from the Word of God. First and foremost, we want to say thank you, Lord, for entrusting us with the God kind of faith. You gave us your faith to create your blessings in our life. It began with salvation, but you know, it didn't end there we can receive every redemptive blessing the same way we were saved, by 
having faith in that blessing and then bringing life and an act of faith by acting on what we believe to create that miracle of that blessing in our life. Help us to begin seeing our role in receiving from you through faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, hallelujah. Well, I'm glad I came to church. Hope you feel the same way. Hey, thanks for watching. We, we, we certainly are, are privileged and honored that you would tune in. Hey, you're blessed. See you next time.